Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. Lent will be here before you know it. Ash Wednesday is March 2nd, and many Catholics like to undertake spiritual reading during the season of Lent, and oftentimes that's in a daily devotional book. If you wish to pray with Mary's messages and listen to her voice and then begin to live them in your life, then A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary that I wrote a few years ago is the perfect book for you. Learn about Mary's many apparitions and the messages she spoke to children and adults alike. You just won't be reading about the apparitions, but you'll be putting into action Mary's message in your own life. A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy Catholic books. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We have a lot of saints in our Catholic tradition, male and female, but there are a lot of female saints who also were mothers. The first we can automatically think of would be the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then we can think of her mother, St. Anne. There's a new book out from OSV called Saintly Moms, 25 Stories of Holiness, and it's by today's guest, Kelly Ann Guest, who you might remember as a guest on episode 51, Rosary Lessons Learned and Shared, in which I spoke with her about a piece she wrote for CatholicMom.com. And so Kelly Guest joins me again today. She was formerly a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Before leaving, before her final vows, she then found the love of her life, married, and now is a mother of nine. And you can visit her website, nun to nine that's the number two, dot com, and also follow her writings on Catholic Mom and on social media. So welcome back to How They Love Mary, Kelly Guest. Father, thank you so much for having me back. I love having a guest who is a guest, so so that's great. I, I'm sure maybe you've gotten that before as you've done interviews. And, you know, maybe the first thing I want to talk about, and and I understand this as an author myself, that a lot of times authors don't get a say in the cover. And sometimes maybe the author says, this is what I would like you to do with the cover. And other times then uh, the publisher kind of ignores you and they do whatever they want. So, and, and another thing, I'm actually on like a little committee that selects book covers for a different, for one of the publishers I write for. So they'll send me a survey. They'll have three options and you have to say which one you like and such. And so, I'm just wondering about the cover of your book, Saintly Moms. What's the story here on that cover? You know, our Sunday visitor picked it for me. They sent it to me for our final approval. It was the um, first time they ever sent me a cover. I fell in love with it immediately. I, I really did wonder how they were going to do this cover because I really did want something that represented all the different moms that were um, featured in my book. They did it beautifully. I mean, I, I do. I love my cover. If I had to guess, it's the Blessed Mother, and maybe it's even uh, Elizabeth then. And, and so recognizing the fact that both of them are mothers with the child in the womb, is is that my understanding as I look at the cover? That's what I see. But maybe I don't see it right. 
<laughs> uh, Father, I'm not going to tell you you don't see it right. I see something a little different. I just see different skin tones of different women so that they could represent any one of us. We can all fit in there somewhere. But I love yours. I think I will have to. Well, like, now I see that too. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you have the picture and like, what do you see? And everybody sees something different. So so it's a great cover and uh, a great introduction. Uh, Saintly Moms, 25 Stories of Holiness. So I want to know, we talked a little bit about you being a nun on episode 51. So in the context of this book, you were a nun, and now you're a mom, nun to nine. And so how can your experience of monastic life, or how did your experience of being a religious sister, a nun, inform you today as a modern day parent? So I think one of the biggest things is that when we when I was in the comment we had everyday spiritual reading so I loved the biography of the saints I read a lot of biography of saints um, when I was in the convent uh, they inspired me they encouraged me and uh, when I came home from the convent and got married fell in love got married I had three children in three years and one day <laughs> so um, and I was definitely in over my head and so I knew that I needed to find some encouragement and some inspiration. So I turned to the saints like I often did when I was in the convent. And uh, I found many more saints than I ever thought that I would. I, I kind of thought maybe the church was a little bit short on mommy saints. But that I found really, I there's 25 in this book, but I had like notes on 43 different mommy saints. So one thing I learned is to find my encouragement, my inspiration from from the saints um, which really came back to help me a lot as a new mom. Um, and then, I guess, developing a prayer life, of course. I, I Now, I start my day off in prayer. But there was a time when my children were waking up way earlier than I wanted to wake up. And so getting up earlier before them to start my day off in prayer didn't always happen. But I knew it was important to make time. So if it was in the afternoon when the children were in bed, I would... Uh, then turn to prayer. And sometimes I would fall asleep too because they wear me out. So in that time, I would fall asleep saying my rosary or something. But um, I knew that it was necessary to pray every day. And um, I also find that a lot of these saintly moms, not a lot of them, all of them had a prayer life. So, And I, and I thank my day, uh, for God for my days in the convent when I spent time in prayer and learned to do that every single day, make time for that every single day. So you have 25 stories of holiness of these saintly moms, and three of them, we could have probably already guessed, two of them I mentioned, the Blessed Mother, St. Anne, and also Elizabeth you have. And so they're saintly mothers. They raise children. Uh, and so you can look to them, for example. I I'm wondering, how did you come to find all 25 that you included? And you mentioned that you had over 40. So how did you, what criterion did you use to kind of whittle the list down to the published saints that you include? Um, so, let's see. So our Sunday visitor, um, I did have some of the Old Testament moms, so they asked me to take those out, so that whittled out some. Uh, some I did not have as much information on as others, so um, if I didn't know as much about some of the saints, uh, I took them out. I, I think I was able to get it down to about 32, which means I needed seven more, and I really was having a hard time because I loved all of them. And so, in all honesty, Father, I just went to um, 
I had six kids were home at that time and my husband. So I went to each one of them and said, give me a number one to 32. Give me a number one to 32. <laughs> and so some beautiful saints uh, like St. Saint Margaret of Scotland got taken out. My husband said number seven, who at the time was St. Helen. And I was like, no, can't take out St. Helen. She's the mother of the, the, uh, um, the Emperor Constantine. You know, we can't take her out. Uh, so I, I left her in and made him choose another, <laughs> another <laughs> number. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just really random asking the kids to give me a number because I was having a hard time doing it myself. Sure. And that's a unique way. But, you know, being a mother, utilizing the gifts that God has given you through your children, well, they're the ones that then helped you to shape and form this book about saintly moms that's forming you and so many others as saintly moms in our world today. I'm assuming some of the moms you selected, you probably had a devotion to yourself. You had an awareness of who they were. But then I'm sure that maybe along the way you found some new ones. So um, have you grown in devotion to these saintly moms? And uh, which ones maybe were new to you? So, you know, um, the Magnificat introduced some of these saints to me. Um, but one of them, Blessed Anna Maria Taji, was introduced to me by a visiting priest um, at my parish who talked about her. And when I heard, of course, that she was a mother, a wife, why? She said what? He said wife. And so I looked her up and found out that she indeed was also a mother. Because just because your wife doesn't always mean that God blesses you with, with physical motherhood. So, um, and, and she ended up being one of my favorites. Uh, she is actually a great mystic in the church. Uh, that is not necessarily why I, I fell in love with her, because the gift of being able to read souls and to be able to prophesy, know the future, all these gifts were hers. I would not want any of those gifts. The gift that Blessed Anna Maria had that I would love is the, the gift to know when to correct and how to correct. Because she had really a difficult husband who was often grumpy and um, nasty sometimes and coarse in his uh, words and she always treated him with great love and compassion um, she had a way of soothing him he even admits in a biography that her spiritual advisor wrote about her um, that she had a way of correcting him without him even realizing that she was being she was correcting him so I, I think that's beautiful. And she didn't always correct him. Sometimes she just let him say what he needed to say and complain about his day. And she tended to him. She she got to be so for her wisdom that priests, bishops, and even one time the Pope himself and princes of Italy would come to her for advice. And when her husband got home, she would excuse herself from their presence and go and tend to him. And I just think that's such a beautiful example of, of married life. The fact that she was able to so dearly love her husband and encourage him in his own um, virtues. She would see his virtues and kind of overlook his flaws is a gift that I would like to be able to nurture m more in my own um, soul with the help of God's grace and her intercession. And one of the things people find when they pick up the book, Saintly Moms, 25 Stories of Holiness, is that when you introduce a particular saint, so as you're talking, Blessed Anna Maria Tajai, or however you said it, um, and interestingly enough, I believe that I actually had her 
for my Jen Fulweiler year with the Saint or whatever, you know, when you pick out your your random Saint generator, she was one of mine that I got one year. So I, I had a vague familiarity with her name, at least. Um, so you introduce them with fast facts. So you give their date of birth, May 29th, 1769 to June 9th, 1837. Her feast day is her death day, June 9th. Probably not observed on the on the universal calendar, but on local calendars, so where she grew up, where she lived, where she died, they they would celebrate her feast day. You tell us their patron, patron of housewives, victims of verbal abuse, and then you also list the names of their children. Uh, she had seven, Anna, Camillo, Alessandro, Luigi, Maria, Sophia, and Luisa. So it's just kind of a nice little way to situate us before you begin that process of sharing, this is who they are, this is why they're a saintly mom, this is how they lived a life of holiness as a mom. And uh, so it's just a nice way to get to know them. Now, I'm curious, and maybe this isn't something that would be known to us, but if there was one that, let's say, they miscarried, so or they had a stillborn, you include that name, I'm assuming, in the list of their children? Um, when I was able to find their name, Yes. Yes. So, um, St. Jane Francis de Chantel, um, I was not able to find the name of her two mis miscarried children. Her first two she miscarried. Okay. Yeah. And then I know St. Zelie Martin, also uh, the mother of St. Therese of Lisieux. So here we have a mother who actually is the mother of a saintly child and some of the other siblings have a cause for sainthood. So that's an interesting story too, that to be the mother of a saint as you're a saint yourself. Yeah. I, I love her story. It's so encouraging as a mom because um, with St. Zelie Martin, we know a lot about her because she wrote letters. She, she wrote um, often to her brother and to friends and other family members. And I love the fact that in many of her letters, especially to her brothers, she is exasperated with two of her children, one of them being Therese, <laughs> because she was so strong-willed. She's like, I really just don't know how to, I, I don't know how to discipline her and get her to understand. She seems like she just doesn't care. I can, I can even put her in the basement and lock the door and, and turn off the lights and she could care less. <laughs> She was just exasperated with her. And and the other one was, um, oh, gosh, the name just escaped me. Oh, Leone. Leone um, was another one that was very strong-willed. And, and she just really lamented the fact that she didn't know what was going to become of these two girls. If she couldn't teach them to take their strong wills and focus them on the Lord. And, and of course, we know that um, St. Zelie died when Therese was still quite young, still in those terrible toddler years um she was only four when her mom died leone is older um but from heaven no doubt her um, zelly still prayed for her daughters and both therese and leone now of course we know saint therese became a great saint of the church a doctor of the church a much beloved saint of the church but also leone the other daughter that give her so much um so much concern is also now up for canonization so her cause has been introduced and she will probably become a saint also before everything is is finished and uh what what a what a great inspiration for us parents when we have children that we are just 
exasperated with and just not sure what God is going to do with them or um, how are things going to turn out. I think it just goes to show, you know what? You do your best in trying to guide them to God and let God take care of the rest of that. Let the Holy Spirit um, inspire your child when the time comes and he can truly make a saint out of your child if you continue to pray for them. And so I, I just love Zelie Martin for that sense of encouragement and not to be so frustrated with my children, knowing that God will be able to take care of them and, and help them to become the saints he's called them to be. One of the realities of people becoming saints is that it's a long process and there's different phases of the process as well. For example, a person becomes a venerable or a servant of God, and then they become blessed, that's beatified, they've had two miracles, and then they become a saint when there's another two miracles. So there's a long study that goes into different individuals' lives. They review their writings, for example, they look at their life, they collect testimony, people begin the cause of sainthood by praying for their intercession. So in your book, it appears from the table of contents that one of the individuals is not a venerable, is not a servant of God, is not a blessed or a saint, because they're simply listed in the table of contents as Eliza Vaughn. So what's her story? Is she a saint? She, her college for canonization has been started, but she has not yet even um, gone into the stage that we call serving the God. So um, they are looking at her life. I can't imagine that um, she won't eventually start ascending the ladder to sainthood um, or canonization within the church. But um, because she had 13 children. So I have nine and, and it's crazy in my house. So I can only imagine adding another four to that. But, and of her 13, 10 became priests or religious sisters or nuns. So um, she, she is, when, when she becomes a saint, I am sure she will be declared the patron saint of religious um, and priestly vocations because she made a holy hour every day praying to God for an increase of vocations in the church. And um, that's she, an interesting you, thing to say, that she as a mother every day made a holy hour. Because, And I've heard some of the saints say this, like St. Francis de Sales said, well, you should pray according to the vocation of your life. And so the vocation of maybe a wife and a mother isn't to pray in the church four hours a day. But for her, she was able to pray for that hour, make that holy hour, as you mentioned, and exercise her vocation. And she was from a wealthy family. She she is actually um, a Rolls, like from Rolls Royce. She's from the uh, wealthy Protestant family, the Rolls family. Um, and she married a wealthy Catholic man and, and became Catholic herself. Um, and so she, she maybe had some leisure time that maybe other moms, especially moms of large family, may not have. Because I'm sure there were servants in her home. I know she had a small chapel in her home where she made holy hour and and that home today her family home is now a retreat house and so they call the chapel in her home um it's dedicated to our lady of vocations so uh so she she be, being a little bit wealthy or maybe being a lot bit wealthy she probably had some um time to herself that maybe moms today wouldn't have mm. but the thing is that she made good use of that time that she had and prayed for her family and prayed for vocations. And God answered that prayer um, with great generosity, given her 10 vocations. 
Speaking about busy moms, that was one of the headings that caught my eye as I paged through the book, Saintly Moms, 25 Stories of Holiness. And in this chapter, Blessed Maria Corsini Beltam Quadrochi, something like that. She, <laughs> you have a title there, Our Busy Schedules. So I'm assuming, again, you're drawing out the fact that this woman, as a mother, as a wife, was able to fit God into her busy schedule. And so that's really a good lesson, I think, for all of us, is that we look at the lives of some of these holy men and women and all that they had to do, and yet God was still central. And so today, though, sometimes we're so easy to dismiss that time for God in favor of doing other things that we deem more important. Yeah, yeah. She uh, everything she did really was for the Lord, and, and that even included her everyday chores around the home. Um, she was an educator, college professor, and a, a much sought after lecturer and author. Um, so, but it was always God centered. And and what I loved about her is uh, as she, as she, her family started growing, she started uh, focusing more on her family and. Um, and by that, I mean, she always took her children and her husband also was very much involved in, so like starting a scouting program, but she just did not, okay, start it with the neighborhood kids. She actually went into Rome where there would be many poor and um, disadvantaged children. She started with her husband, a scouting club there where um, the children would most benefit. And she took her own children to that scouting club. So she started a, a, a um, foundation that would help provide those who had handicaps or who were sick to be able to take a pilgrimage, especially to Lourdes, but to wherever they may have a desire to go. So, and that, that foundation still exists today. So everything she did, uh, she did for love of God and in an effort to build up his kingdom here on earth. Blessed Maria is a modern saint. She lived during the time of World War II. And so during this time, she helped the Jewish refugees that were escaping from Germany and coming through Italy. She helped um, shelter them, feed them, and try to get them into Austria and into Switzerland. Not into Switzerland. Um, they, they had kind of like a, what we would probably call an underground railroad. So she helped try to get these people to safety. Um, she would also help as a nurse at the Red Cross. Again, always trying to build up the kingdom of God here on earth. So I, she is really an inspiration because we do get busy. I think as moms, we have to sit and look at our schedule and say, what are we busy with? And are these things promoting the kingdom of God? Are they giving glory to God? Are they teaching my children how to become saints and how to give God glory? And I think that's the big lesson I learned from Blessed Maria. And I think one of those things that, you know, what's taking up time? Well, my kid has soccer practice or football practice. And so if we use your criteria there, well, is it helping them become saints? Is it helping to build the kingdom of God? Well, we know that in our Catholic faith, lots of saints were athletic. Saint Sebastian is the patron saint of athletes. Saint John Paul II loved to downhill ski. You know, so we can think of a lot of these different saints. Blessed Chiara Luce Badano played tennis. So they allowed the sports in their life. 
but they also gave glory to God by that gift that God had given them. And they also made room for Sunday Mass and for daily prayer. And so that's the aspect, I think, that that we need to begin examining in our life. How is God a part of, as you mentioned, the sports and such? Yeah, that's perfectly said, Father. It, it, our bodies are a gift from God, so we do need to take care of them. But yes, we, we need to make sure our children, while they're playing sports, that they, they know to give glory to God, whether they win or lose, that they're always um, good sportsmen, and that they um, treat others with respect. Their, their teammates should recognize that there's something special about you, that, that because you're a Christian, you maybe play the game in a little bit of a different way than maybe others play it. And the other big thing is do not make that sport your God. You're right. Make sure that you get yourself to church on Saturday evening. Don't ever let those sports take up room where God is supposed to be. One of the things I really like about your book, Saintly Moms, 25 Stories of Holiness, is that you really bring out different saints. So there are the popular ones. We can go back to you know, the Blessed Mother, St. Anne, St. Helen, St. Monica, who persevered praying for her son, St. Augustine. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, she's got a universal feast day on the church calendar. St. Rita, a lot of people might pray to her. She is one of the patron saints of impossible causes. But then you also have the obscure. So you have St. Ludmilla, St. Theoneva, St. Gladys, St. Bassa. How, uh, again, I'm going to guess you mentioned already the Magnificat periodical. So maybe you found them through the Magnificat. But how did you uncover some of these people? Um, God just, God just put them on my lap sometimes. I mean, really, every single one came to me uh, from somewhere. I, but Lumelo is, um, you mentioned her. She's St. Good King Wenceslaus's grandmother. Okay. So, I'm not real sure, but I think I read something in reading about that Christmas carol because she had such an influence on his life. Her son was not raising Wenceslaus as a Christian. And so she asked permission for him to come live with her in her castle um, so that she, knowing that he would be the next king, could raise him up in his Catholic faith since her son wasn't doing it. And so... um, yeah, I, it was reading about the Christmas Carol that I learned about her, and I just looked into her even more. I, I tried to do a little bit more research to find out more about her. Um, she ends up being uh, <clears throat> a martyr. Her daughter-in-law had her strangled to death. Oh boy! Uh, did not like the influence that she was having over her son. Oh wow! So yeah, so a beautiful a, a beautiful story um, because. As a DRE, when I was in charge of religious education at one of the churches in Baltimore City, I, I can't tell you, Father, how many grandparents would bring their children to religious education class and to Mass to make sure. Because, and it wasn't always that their children were lapsed Catholics. Sometimes they had to work. But, but these grandparents were picking up the ball and making sure that their grandchildren were getting um, educated into faith and getting to Mass. And what an inspiration that was to me. Now, what what um, a beautiful gift they were making sure their children and their grandchildren were getting. So St. Lamilla um, is dear to me because it recalls to mind all those wonderful grandparents that I've met that were responsible for carrying on the faith in their family. This is a podcast about the Blessed Mother. We know that Mary raised the Son of God, who was the second person of the Blessed Trinity. 
How is she a good example and model for mothers? Oh, Father. Oh, I can't tell you how much. I am so appreciative of the Blessed Mother. Because you know what? She had that extraordinary moment where she saw and talked with an angel and was asked to be the mother of God. And, of course, we know she gave her fiat. She said yes. And then the angel went away, and her life went back to a kind of normal, ordinary, everyday life. I mean, like, her life would never be the same, nor would the world ever be the same. But yet, she went back to doing the everyday task that she did. You know, I mean, she visited her cousin Elizabeth, but she did the everyday chores that us moms do every day. She changed diapers. She made meals for her family. She cleaned house. She went to the market to get food. She did the things that we do every day, you know, the monotonous chores of motherhood. And yet, because she did it literally for Jesus and for love of her family, these ordinary tasks are now sanctifying so that when I change diapers, when I go grocery shopping, when I make beds, all of these things can become holy. Why? Because Our Lady showed me how to do them. If I do them for love of Jesus, if I do them for love of my family, then these ordinary everything days, everything days that I do, these chores that I do, now can make me holy. And so for that, I will always be grateful to Our Lady. I mean, her life was so ordinary that when it did come time for Jesus to begin his public ministry and and it started to become known that he was the Messiah, the Savior, the man that they had been waiting for. There's nothing special about him, but yet he's speaking with such authority. But it just goes to show how ordinary their life was. And so I think sometimes as mom, we think that we're not really doing anything extraordinary. And yet uh, we, we're imitating Our Lady. And if we can have joyful monotony, I like to call it, of everyday living and offering up all these little things that we are doing for love of our Lord and for love of our family, we're becoming holy. And that's because we're imitating Our Lady. And uh, for that, I will always be grateful to her because I've changed many stinky diapers in my day. And every single one of them gave me the opportunity to become a saint. So, And that's because of Our Lady. Well, that's beautifully said. And uh, I know one of the little devotions people have, and I have an image someone gifted to me for Christmas, Our Lady of the Kitchen. And so just imagining Our Lady, you know, baking the bread or Our Lady in the kitchen, preparing those meals, etc. So uh, that that is a very personal and very um, very much a relatable uh, idea of who Mary is in that reality. So um, now this is a book, Saintly Moms, Twenty Five Stories of Holiness. I'm going to guess that the intended audience is for moms. It's intended for women. Can men? Can fathers read this book and benefit? Uh, if if you love the stories of saints, I think you, you will. Because, well, first of all, we all have mothers. <laughs> so, um, and I think sometimes in some of these stories, you may see your mom and some of the virtues and the qualities that your mom had. But I, I think all of us can gain something because of the stories of virtues that, they, that these saints have. So whether the person that we're reading about has the same vocation in life as we do or not, um, that's not probably as important as the virtues that they may emulate 
or the situations they may find themselves in. But indeed, I, I did write it for moms because, like I said, or, um, I, I was overwhelmed and I needed encouragement and inspiration in my particular vocation as a mother. But saints will always inspire us to become better people and to uh, put our priorities where they belong so that we can uh, reach that common vocation that we all have of sainthood. Well, Kelly, it's been great to speak with you about saintly moms, these women in our church whose stories you've read and now you've written and shared about who have inspired you and are inspiring other mothers out there right now. It's a great book, as you mentioned, telling these stories of saints. And so if someone wants to find a copy of this book, how can they do that? And how can they follow you on social media? Okay, so um, of course, our Sunday visitor is selling it as well as Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But I do have my own website, and that's nun, N-U-N, the number two, and then nine spelled out, N-I-N-E. And if you buy it through me, then I can autograph it for you if you would like. Can you find me on social media? Um, at none to nine on Twitter and on Instagram. It's about the same way as my website and Kelly Guest on Facebook. Well, that's great. So get a copy of Saintly Moms from wherever Catholic books are sold or from her website and uh, give her a follow and you'll see the continued writings that she offers, especially through CatholicMob.com. Thanks so much for joining me today on this podcast dedicated to the Heavenly Mother. God bless you, Father. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope that my conversation with today's guest was one that enriched you spiritually and also helped you to foster a deeper love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favor? Go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast so that others might find it as a recommended podcast from other Catholic podcasts that they might listen to. And if you don't mind, share about the show on social media so that your friends and family might come to find it and be enriched by our conversations as well. And if you don't mind, you can follow me on social media at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And this show, How They Love Mary, will soon be a book available from Sophia Institute Press. You can already go over to their website and pre-order How They Love Mary. Thanks so much for listening. May God bless you today. Know of my prayers for you. And may Mary pray for you today and always.